Welcome, heathens and witches, to the Horn and Cauldron Podcast. Podcast. Yeah, today we are getting into and looking into the Norse family tree. Yeah. So I'm John Norgrove. This is Julie Norgrove, and um, yeah, this is our witchy podcast. We've kind of covered a we've covered one family tree already in yeah. the form of the Greek family tree. That's right, the Greek pantheon family tree, the Olympian family tree. I think is what we called it. Um, and so we've decided to uh, now venture into the Norse family tree, which is significantly more complex family tree, uh, all things considered. <laughs> so uh, before we get started in that, if you are watching us on YouTube, don't forget to like this video, comment below, share, subscribe, ring the bell, and do all that kind of stuff. If you are watching us on your podcast, listening to us on your podcast network of choice. If you're watching with your ears. If you're watching us on a podcast network because of mind powers, then uh, hello, don't mind take us. Um, <laughs> But yeah, please leave us a review. That's the only way that I will know what is going on and who is listening because podcast analytics are of a lie. We're being lied to about them. So uh, yeah, but either way, uh, let's just get right into it this time, shall yeah, we? Yeah, yeah. All right, so who who is the Norse? Uh, what is their family and why trees? <laughs> well, trees are definitely uh, sort of like inherently tied into the Norse pantheon because everything is, tree is basically supported by Yggdrasil. Um, but unlike the Greek pantheon, we don't really know how long people have been worshiping Norse deities, um, which makes the family tree for the Norse pantheon actually pretty difficult. We think that people have been worshiping Norse deities for about 2,500 years, which honestly is not that far back when you compare it to the Greek pantheon, which we previously did the family tree episode on. Uh, and that was episode 16, if you're interested in listening to that. Um, so most of the sources that we have about the Norse pantheon come from very few sources. And we talked about this a little bit in the, um, in the modern Odinism episode, but most of our sources uh, about the gods specifically come from the prose Edda, the poetic Edda, um, and both of those two date back to about the 13th century uh, Iceland, as well as the sagas. And so there are other forms, but or there are other sources. And most of those other sources, if they're not in that bucket of those three things, they come from the last few hundred years. And some of them are newer and they're sort of reconstructions. And some of them are actual, actually older archaeological evidence that we're sort of using to fill in there, too. Um, and... They, they help to give us clues to the old ways, but um, a lot of the difficulty with knowing about this stuff is really because of drinking game, the Christianization of Europe. So um, that was really when monks started wandering around and writing this stuff down. Prior to then, the old Norse religion was really transmitted in terms of oral history. They were a very, they, they had a, a lot of, a, a lot of focus on storytelling, particularly as a group, um, you know, over dinners and feasts and, and blots and stuff like that. So um, they didn't really write a lot of that stuff down, uh, unlike the Greeks who tried to write as many things as they possibly could down, uh, mostly on vases. <laughs> uh, so the poetic Edda 
is uh, mostly poems. And we get a lot of our sources about the Norse gods that were worshipped from there. The Prose Edda, Edda has various works that reference the Poetic Edda, as well as other works that show the gods. But the difference mainly between the Poetic and the Prose Edda in regards to the, the gods is the Prose Edda really um, humorizes these gods. And humanizes. No, he humorizes these gods. Like, turns them into jokes? <laughs> No, no, no. Humorizing something means to take something of divine import like a god mm -hmm. and then um, basically make it mortal. So just how you anthropomorphize animals. Anthropomorphize? Uh, yes. Um, you humorize gods to bring them from deities to mortals. And so the prose Edda shows a lot of things, a lot of stories that have to do with the gods, but sort of makes them more like humans who can wield powerful magic. And this is a complicated one because this could indicate that the deities were originally sort of humans who were boosted up like that. Uh, but this also could mean that this is because of a Christian influence. So this stuff didn't start getting written down until Christianized monks. And like we talked about with the Dagda episode, which is episode 29, um, they... It, it wasn't uncommon for the Christian influence to really sort of cut down the potency, if you will, yeah. of the Disempower. gods. Disempower. Yeah, to just really disempower them. And that could be part of it, but it could be also uh, the sort of attitude that the old Norse had towards their gods. They were a little bit less worshipful and a little bit more friendly um, with them. And that sort of calls to the way that as a society, they sort of did things. And if you're listening to this and you do worship Norse gods and you treat them more as a worship deity aspect, as opposed to like a friendly kind of um, the, you see this a lot on the internet when people are talking about worshiping gods. There's worshiping and then there's working with, um, so, which sort of brings them down to um, to a, to closer to your level um, is what so kind of a makes, lot of people. Yeah, a lot of people kind of think that and it doesn't matter how you practice because how you practice and how you want to worship or work with the deity is totally up to you and your individual belief. But um, it's... There's a lot of evidence both ways that not only did the Norse worship their deities, but they also looked at them as sort of household items, household names, you know, talking about family and talking about friends. They were a lot more friendly and jovial with them. And you can really sort of see that as hallmarks through the culture. Uh, now, the sagas themselves are thousands of stories, and some of them are just family trees uh, that range from family histories to legends and other historical figures, some of those historical figures sort of get canonized into deities. Um, and some of them are sort of like, what if Odin was masquerading as great uncle Tom, you know, that kind of thing. Um, or, you know, this great uncle had a run in with a, with a deity, that, that sort of thing, tall tales, really. Um, and from all of the stuff that we have about the Norse deities, we really sort of have a few buckets that we're going to be talking about today. And that's because it is just as huge and complicated as the Greek family tree, uh, but with less information behind it, which makes it actually harder because you can see a name and you're like, oh, what's that person the god of? And they're like, it's the god of this. And you're like, oh, cool. I'd like to learn more. And it's like, no, that's all that we know. 
There's only one line that refers to it in this one poem, and that's it. So there are definitely other deities out there, but I'm sort of uh, shrinking this to really sort of the most culturally popular right now. Yeah, just the just like the biggest names, right? I mean, it's it's that like it's that like you know when you're talking about about Greek gods and demigods and and the like. I mean, that list can go as long or as short as you want it to be. And it's kind of the same with the Norse gods. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So we're going to be looking at the Aesir, the Vanir, a couple of Jotnar, and um, a couple of deities who I'm going to classify as other. So there is, so most of these gods fall into the Aesir or Vanir types. And um, there's really the difference between the Aesir and the Vanir are, they're basically, think of them as clans, as different clans. It's not that yeah, one is more powerful or less powerful. Um, there's a lot of scholars that are, that try to draw a line between them and what it is that they're associated with. So some scholars feel that the Aesir are associated with power and war and sky and the Vanir are associated with fertility and wisdom and agriculture and earth stuff. Um, but in the research that I've done, there's not really a difference other than they're just different clans. So yeah, it's, it's <laughs> not it's, easy to, to, to differentiate them otherwise. Not it's not uncommon to see the delineation being that the Aesir are sort of like, they're sort of like cosmic gods. They're gods of like, they're, they're like gods from somewhere else. They're like gods from a place. That's the family, the clan, yeah. right? It's it's a family. Think of Aesir as like almost a last name for like modern people. Yeah. Um, and the Vanir are like gods of the earth. Yeah. They're like natural gods as opposed to like cosmic power gods. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Although, I mean, you know, that's not really necessarily a hard and fast thing. And I, I've read stuff and seen stuff where people disagree with that. Again, there's there's a lot of there, honestly, there's a lot of misinformation out there. But there's also a lot of just like claims based on personal belief. Like, I believe this way. So I'm going to talk about it this way and like this is the only way that we're gonna do it or whatever yeah you know yeah. so yeah, that's something to keep in mind totally totally now there are a couple of deities that we're going to talk about that are jotnar and uh these would be giants or frost giants if you're kind of looking at it from more of the marvel perspective of things that is a jotnar or a jotun yeah jotun are just giants yeah right yeah and they're technically older yeah they were around like before the gods in some interpretations of all of this and again they're like from another place they're from like another realm as it were yeah so yeah yeah and then we have a couple that i'm going to categorize as other so um this before we get into it this is going to be a really information dense podcast but we're going to be talking about a lot of people and a lot of inform and a lot of like correspondences about those people so buckle in uh <laughs> so the ace here that we're going to be talking about today are odin Frigg. Bragi, Idun, Baldur, Mimir, Thor, Sif, and Tyr. The Vanir that we're going to talk about are going to be Njord, Freya, and Freyr. And the Jotnar, the Jotun, are Loki and Sif. And the other category is going to be Heimdall. And the reason that I say that is because there it's basically 50-50 arguments that he is 
an Aesir or that he is a Vanir. So whatever you want him to be, that's what he is. Uh, and then there is Hell. Uh, and Hell is in this other category because she is usually described as a monster. Well, yeah, she's the sister to the, you know, wolf that eats the moon during Ragnarok and, and yeah. the serpent that surrounds Midgard. Yeah. And who are both also monsters. Obviously, yeah. a giant wolf and a giant fucking snake. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then there are also arguments that Hell is not a goddess. She is not a deity. Um, but... I mean, there's Odin a lot gave her of, a whole ass realm to manage. Yeah, and there's so. a lot of people that include hell in their practice. So, I mean, why not flatter a girl a bit? Yeah. Yeah, and again, <laughs> like, if, if you don't necessarily worship a particular one, I mean, I feel like sometimes you worship all of them, sometimes you worship a specific one, so it's kind of... Exactly. Like and whatever. if there is a particular deity that you're interested in hearing about that is not on that list that we're not talking about today... Hit us up in the comments. If yeah, you're leave on a YouTube, comment or hit us up on social media. Check us out on social media or we'll, our website. Uh, we can talk about that person at the next uh, pub chat. Yeah. Because we answer listener questions at pub chat. So if you have any questions about the Norse Pantheon or like, we're not going to really, I don't think we're going to really have time to go into like particular practice on any of these gods. Um, just because of how much data there is to go over. So if there's any questions about any of that stuff, um, yeah, just reach out, feel free to ask, and then we'll answer it on the next pub chat. Yeah, or maybe there's enough information on there about them to get a deep dive. Uh, and some of these deities we have done deep dives on too, and I'll be calling those out as we go past them. Yeah. Yeah, so before we get started on the gods themselves, the gods and goddesses themselves, we're going to talk about the creation myth of the Norse because it kind of, it, one, it's super interesting. I could definitely do a show just on this, just on creation myths. Norse creationism and Norse is creationism is awesome, wild. It's it is so cool. So much more multifaceted than most other creation myths uh, that I am familiar with. And we're we're not going to go through the whole thing uh, here, uh, but we're going to go through kind of the basics of it. So before there was time, there was only a vast darkness called the Ginnungagap. 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 Yeah. Thank you. Um, from this, Niflheim, which is the ice realm, and Muspelheim, the fire realm, formed. And where the ice and the fire realms met, the ice began to melt and thaw and melt and thaw. And eventually it began to form in the shape of a person, like a humanoid. This eventually came to life and became Ymir. Yeah, Ymir. Ymir. Yeah. When Ymir fell asleep, his armpit his armpit sweat grew two more giants a male and a female and each day he would fall asleep and create more and then wake up and then there would be more and these were all fed by a giant cow named that should Aud be Audhumbla Audhumbla ice yeah the cow fed itself by licking a block of salty ice and one day she was licking and there was a hair and the next day, there was a head. And then the next day, sure enough, it was a person. And it turned out to be Buri, the first of the gods. Buri's son, Bor, would later marry Bestla and have three sons, Vili, Ve, and Odin. And Odin and his brothers, they did not like that the giants, who had been reproducing a lot, obviously, um, they didn't like that they outnumbered them. And then they decided to kill Ymir. And they dragged, and then after they killed him, and it was a long and drawn out and bloody war, and many of the giants were killed, um, they dragged his body to the Ganungagap. 
Uh, and his blood became the oceans, the rivers and lakes. His flesh became the land. His teeth were made into rocks. His bones were the mountains. His hair was the grass and the trees. And his eyelashes became Midgard, the realm of the humans. Ymir's brain was thrown up into the sky and it became clouds. And his skull was the dome of the sky. The worms that ate his corpse turned into dwarves. And the creation myth goes on to describe a variety of other things being created, such as the sun and the moon and all of the other humans and, and everything happening yeah. there. But we're going to take off from there. Yeah, we're, we're going to leave there. I, I am going to add a little note in for those who only know like terms like dwarves and elves from like Dungeons and Dragons or like uh, bloody Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Or... or um, the Marvel Universe. So, so dwarves are often called dark elves. Yes, but that's simply because they were other creatures, were elves, other creatures. What with who lived in caves and shit. So they lived in under the, the earth. Dark, so it was the dark. under the earth. Yeah. So elves were these other like creatures that lived above in the on the land, and then and when they lived underground, they became dark elves, which. Is the same word. Dark elf and dwarf kind of means the same thing. Yes. When you're like reading it in like Old Norse. But you will see, not only have I seen a ton of arguments both for and against that statement, yeah. which is ferocious. Like we can just settle on this, guys. But also, <laughs> like I have seen, I have seen stuff where because of like syntax or whatever, they're like, well, there's elves and dark elves and then dwarves, which are separate. And that's also like not necessarily true based on the stuff that I've seen. Um, so there's there's a lot of information. This is one of those, um, there's going to be a lot of opinions because there is a lot of information, but not a lot of like A1 sources. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like best for stakes And even sources. then, when the sources come from 13th, you know, century writing. So back in the 1200s. And I mean, none of us, unless you're like an immortal vampire, in which case hit us up in the DMs, slide in. Yeah, what's um, up? Like nobody really knows exactly what that means. So there are some turns of phrase that yeah. may not be you know, translated uh, who's, right. Who's and there's the, also differences who's, who's in Who's the guy that we watch on YouTube who who does all those like Norse poems and stuff? Um, bloody, uh, I'll, I'll look him up and I'll interrupt later on in the podcast with his name, but there's a, there's a, uh, scholar out of university of Colorado who has a YouTube, um, channel that approaches Norse mythology from like a purely historical, completely non-magical an academic standpoint, an academic standpoint. But he, he does very, like he will do line for line translations where he's like, here's what the, here's what it says in, in like proto Norse or old Norse or, or what, whatever written language it's in. And here's what it means. And here's how I've come to those conclusions yeah. and things like that. And that he's very, very informative. It's super, super worth it. Um, is it is it Jackson Crawford? Is that the name? Oh, I think that might be Jackson Crawford. Are we just making up names now? Yeah, no, I'm not even looking. <laughs> I was just like, is, did I remember? Yeah. No, it is Jackson it's, Crawford. It's, it's Dr. Right, Jackson right. Crawford. So yeah, if you are more interested in, uh, in like Norse, uh, history and like runestone history and like the linguistic and and um like written language history and stuff like that check him out it's super i've been subscribed to jackson crawford for a very long time yeah, yeah. he's a really really awesome professor super 
super smart. So, yeah. like, definitely shout out to him. Give him a check out. Yeah, uh, and as of the time that we're recording this, he just recently did a video that is um, translating the One Ring poem uh, into Old Norse. Yeah, and he translates it into Old Norse and then back the translates fan, it out of Old Norse back into English exciting. to show how he made the translation. He's very academic about yeah. it. I, like, like, one day I would love to take some of his like old Norse classes at university yeah, of Colorado, yeah. you know? So yeah, definitely check that out. Definitely check that out. And there's also, there's a lot of other sources out there. I have like, um, uh, I have a bunch of books like Norse books. So, yeah. and I've had people reach out to me before. If you are interested in like the Norse books that I have and like where I got them from, anything like that, just hit me up on social media or in like, uh, the comments below or whatever. And I'm yeah. like, I'm not, it's not like I got like secret sources or some kind of crazy shit like that. Like I just, I have been finding these for a long time and I'm pretty good at it. So, and also if you have any Norse books, like let me know, we talk about it more in the um, modern Odinism yeah. about what Norse books I own. Um, so yeah, if you ever want, if you're ever looking for a little bit of, of like book knowledge like that, just hit me up and, uh, and I'll share with you where I got them from there. Yeah. It's a good, good company, good websites, and they're really high quality books. So, yeah. 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 Um, and speaking of the modern Odinism episode, we're gonna go ahead and start with Odin. So first of all, first we, of the pantheon. Yeah. The first, the, the first of his name. Um, and, uh, if you want to listen to the modern Odinism and heathenry episode, that is episode 25. It's sort of halfway between a deep dive on Odinism and a how to for heathenry. So it is a great, great space there, um, to learn more about the Norse side of things and particularly how you can honor Odin. So Odin is an Aesir and he is the Allfather. He is the god of wisdom, healing, death, knowledge, academia. He's like everything. Poetry, inspiration. He's the god of madness and magic, mind altering substances, uh, shamans, warriors, war and battle and victory. He's a god of leadership and also wine and mead and brewing, transformation, self-sacrifice, as well as self-empowerment, travel and the runes. Uh, he is also known to be a shapeshifter and is a patron god of travelers, as well as his role as psychopomp, which is somebody who leads the dead to the afterlife. He also favors liminal work. So Odin's kind of like a kind of like a one stop shop in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and like like his whole like like he's he's a patron saint to travelers. It's because he's often called the Grey Wanderer. Yeah. Right. And like he him practicing magic and he specifically practiced magic like like the way that it's talked about is the magic he specifically practiced was often considered magic for women. Yeah. Right. So it was like weaving magic. Um, but, but so it's one of those things where it's like, ah, that's like a lady's magic, but like Odin did it. So like, is it ladies magic kind of a yeah. thing? Well, and Odin isn't the only one that practices. It oh, either. we'll no, talk about yeah, there's, that. There's too, more, there's but more, yeah. but so yeah, Odin has a lot of, of interesting things. There's a, we'll have to do a more deep dive into Odin. Oh, I'm sure that at, most at of the deep dives, we're going to have more than one episode yeah. on them. Yeah. As it is, I am just like, man, I have so much more information about Aphrodite now. And I want to just like 
dive right into that. Yeah. But we have a lot of other things happening. We're gonna be uh, we're gonna be doing this podcast for a long time. Yeah. So yeah. we'll get more. Don't worry. Yeah, you'll get plenty more. So if you're interested in correspondences on Odin, that's what we've got up next. But first, I want to talk about his parents. So we kind of already talked about that a little bit in the creation story. So his mother was Bestla, which was a Jotun, and Bor, which is one of the first humans. Um, so he's sort of like Odin half giant in a way. There's a lot of that blending between either races or clans, if you will, within the Norse pantheon. And uh, I think that's super rad. Yeah. For consorts, Odin had a few lovers, not nearly as many as Zeus um, or really any of the Greek gods. <laughs> Nobody had as many lovers as Zeus. That Nobody guy, really had as many lovers as the Greek gods. Zeus I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that now. Um, I don't know every pantheon out there, but I'm going to say nobody had more than the Greek yeah. gods. Zeus, he won that, I Over a hundred. Yeah, he Over won, 100. but is that a victory that we um, want? Yeah, that's no. definitely not a victory <laughs> that we want. So of his consorts, there are Frigg, uh, Jord, which is Mother Earth. Jord. Jord, uh, and Grid. And for children, you'd think- One of his consorts was the Matrix? Yeah, one of his consorts was the Matrix. Yeah, because right. isn't, isn't the grid what they call the Matrix in, um, uh, oh my God, what's that What's that 80s Matrix movie? Where they, he goes into the video game? Yeah, they call it the grid, I think, in <laughs> Oh, Tron. maybe they do. It's yeah. been a long time since yeah. I've seen that. You didn't know that, secretly- Odin movie. That was his wife. Secretly Tron. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and for children, he actually didn't birth all of the children within the Norse pan within the Norse pantheon. Father, obviously, um, he didn't birth a, a much of them. Well, he didn't he really. A, yeah, he was a dude. Well, I mean, Zeus was a dude, and he still birthed Z more than again. One. Zeus doesn't count. Yeah. Okay. Zeus never counts. Anyway, so of Odin's direct children, we have Thor, Baldur, Hod, and Vali. And we're not talking about all of them. Obviously, there's a couple of names there that I mentioned that aren't in our yeah. list, but hopefully we'll get to them in the Norse Family Tree Part 2, Shrubbery. Um, so if you are interested in working with Odin, um, correspondences associated with him are alcohol. All of it. Especially mead. Yeah. Especially mead. Uh, amber, chamomile, the color gray, fennel, horses, because Slepnir, mugwort, onyx, parsley, ravens, um, because, because of, of Hugin and Mutin, spear, which is one of his weapons. Yeah. Yeah. The Valknut, which is a symbol. Oh, Valknut, yeah. Yeah. Uh, wolves, because of Gary and Frecky. Yep. And uh, really any food that would be given to his animal companions. Something we talked about in the modern Odinism and heathenry episode is that Odin doesn't really eat stuff. He just sort of exists on alcohol and any food he gets, he generally gives to his animal companions. Yeah. And there's a connection there where, where uh, you know, obviously Hugin and Munin are like thought and mind and Getty and Frecky are, are like... They're almost like they take the personification of his like hunger. Yeah. It's like They're hunger like, and need or yeah, something it's like to that extent. Hunger and need or hunger and desire. Or, so, or something to that extent. So it's like it's like he's transcended beyond the like mortal framework yeah. that his body yeah. needs. And his animals are what attain and possess yeah. that. Now that's not to say you can't leave Odin food as oh, offerings. Yeah, yeah. Like he's going to enjoy that regardless because it's not when you give offerings and I talk about he's this in, in my TikTok dogs, videos, it's not about what it is that you're giving them. It's about the spirit in which you're giving them the thing. Yeah. The intent. 
Yeah. So like you could be feeding, you know, you could be leaving Odin like part of your breakfast burrito, a thing that he probably never would have eaten. <laughs> um, and But like he, you know, that's just because he doesn't really eat or those aren't on his list of his favorite things. Doesn't mean that it's not worth leaving as an offering. Yeah. And that really goes for all all deities, all spirits, all the time. Yeah. Um, so moving along, we have Frigg, his wife. Uh, she is the Aesir goddess of abundance, childbirth, children, civilization, creativity, cunning, and empowerment. She's the goddess of farming and the harvest, but also magic and marriage and motherhood and physical love. Um, sort of, there's sort of like this interesting delineation and in different types of love in the Norse deities that we don't really see in other pantheons. So physical love is a little bit like sex, but mostly like cuddle time and not necessarily sexually right like a physical touch like maybe a mother hugging a child or you know like uh, that that kind of thing um and also of prophecy it is said that frigg knows the future but refuses to speak it and she is also a protector of children and uh, she does exist in the marvel movies uh i know that that isn't like canon norse uh, yeah i but... would i would argue if you've seen the marvel movies just like pretend they don't exist for confusion's sake yeah yeah or find a place in your head where you combine them into two if you really are into that description of them you know go for it but keep in mind that it's not necessarily um as uh historically accurate shall we say mm, yeah. um so her so of this is one of those places where we don't really have all the information. So some of these deities, we know only one of their parents and not both. And she happens to be one of them. So she, her father was Fjörgin. And um, that was a, that was a human. That was a mortal. Yeah, um, that was her father. Um, so we do not know where her divine lineage, shall we say, came. Uh, and for concerts, she was only with Odin. That was it. End of story. Uh, for children with Odin, she had Baldur and she had Hur. Yeah. And her correspondences are uh, birch, the color blue, copper, um, any sort of crowns, uh, crystal quartz, fir and hawthorn, lily of the valley, mm -hmm. moonstone, and silver. Uh, and actually... Because Frigg and Odin are their, um, you know, the, the the king and queen, the mother and father, sort of the main people there. When we got married, our we got our wedding rings tattooed and you have the rune for Odin and I have the rune for Frigg. Mm -hmm. um, sort of as the double sides of marriage there. So next up, we have Bragi, and he was the Aesir god of the arts and bards and music and poetry and song and wisdom. And uh, his parents, well, Odin was his father. And depending on what, <laughs> depending on who you're listening to as a scholar, either Frigg was his mother or Gunnlod was his mother. Uh, there's not a particular consensus there. And he was married to Idun, who we'll be talking about in a moment. If you're interested in getting closer to Bragi, um, any kind of agate, uh, beech trees, carnelian, ferns, harps, because he's music, but any musical instrument, really, uh, lily of the valley, uh, the color orange and sandalwood would be associated with him. 
And uh, next up is Adun, that would be Bragi's wife. She is the Aesir goddess of beauty, immortality, responsibility, sexuality, and youth. And this one's kind of an interesting one because she's sort of like uh like immortal young beautiful woman uh but she also has uh the apples that keep the gods young yeah she's responsible for the orchard that grows the apples that makes the mead that's the like drought of the gods to keep them mm-hmm. immortal yeah yeah so she's um she explains why she's also the goddess of responsibility <laughs> yes yes uh and her father was ivald which was a dwarf or dark elf depending on how you want to look at that yeah depending on which version of the <laughs> translation you're looking at specifically yeah and she was only married to Bragi. yeah although there are some fairly spicy uh mythos associated with her where um she was supposed to have cheated on him to find more apples but it's not true like the myth isn't true. Like it's a made up myth, or no. like it It's the like the like the the tale. Because myth myth doesn't myth is sort of the wrong word, right? Because they're they're tales. well, the tale exists, but in the tale, somebody was like, "Yo, your girl cheated on you," and she was like, "No, I didn't," and they were like, "Yeah, she uh, so did." So the tale is about yeah. a lie. Yeah, the tale mm-hmm. is about a lie. Okay, so the tale is true. It's just that the person who's doing it's a liar. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. And if you want to work with Idun, um, correspondences for her would, of course, be apples. Uh, but birch, copper, crystal quartz, uh, fir, the color green, hawthorn, mugwort, rose, silver, and smoky topaz, and willow are all associated with her. Uh, next up, we have Balder, the Aesir god of beauty, harmony, innocence, light, love, loyalty, reconciliation, reincarnation, and rebirth. And um, his parents were Frigg and Odin. He was married to the goddess Nana, which uh, she was the goddess of joy. And uh, together they had a child named Forseti. And to get closer to Balder, you can use ash, chamomile, cinnamon, frankincense, gold, marigolds, St. John's wort. He's also associated with the sun uh, as well as the color white. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and he's, uh, Balder is the god that's supposed to, like, survive, comma, or slash, get reborn post-Ragnarok. Yeah. And if you've read the the book, um, Krampus by, um, oh my god, who's the who's the author of that Krampus book? Brom. Brom. Brom's Krampus. Uh, Balder is also flippin' asshole Santa. So if yeah. you don't know what I'm talking about, <laughs> and you're just like, I'm sorry, did that guy just call Balder asshole Santa? He is Santa, and he's a huge, huge asshole. Read the book. Yeah. I have probably, geez, I think I've gone through that book four times. We read it every year. Yeah, at, at, least, least, at once. least once a year and sometimes twice a year. It is a fantastic work. Um, so 100% check it out. Uh, it's it's easily one of it's like my favorite Christmas story now. It's very it's so good. well. It's it's kind of like horror Christmas. I'm very into it's it. It's very it's well. very it's rock and roll horror fun. Christmas. It's a great book. I want them to make a movie of this book, but only if they put it Ooh, in the hands that of would be like so great. of like uh, like the only directors I can think of who would be able to do it justice are Guillermo either Toro, Toro, Raimi. Oh, um, Sam Raimi. That would Sam be Raimi fun. could do it. 
Um, honestly, Peel could probably do it. Oh yeah, Jordan Peel could totally do it. John Carpenter, if Carpenter, he was still alive. Carpenter could have done it if he were still alive. He would he would have made it weird, but he he could have done it. Uh, but like somebody like that, honestly, um, bloody um, who did the King Arthur one that we just watched? Spike. Oh, um, Guy Ritchie. Oh, Guy Ritchie. Almost thought I was thinking Spike it would Lee, work but Guy well Ritchie. Was a Guy Ritchie. Guy Ritchie would do this movie in such a fun way. Like I didn't think about it until we were watching the, yeah. the King Arthur movie. Um, and I was just like, Ooh, he could do it. And it would be fun. Yeah. Right. Because the movie needs, the book has that sort of like strange tone shift. Yeah. Sort of hyper stylization. Yeah. It's also but, got kind of like a, a heist feel to it. Almost. Yeah. I mean, yeah. My, well, I mean, it, it, functionally is a sort of heist. Yeah. So it would work. I mean, my, my first guess would be Sam Raimi. Just because you need to be able to... This, like, it's got jokes. It's not just like... It's not like raw, scary horror. That's not what we mean by horror. It's just that it, it has a lot of horror It is a little goofy. I, I definitely it's think goofy, Sam Raimi. It's right? goofy, right? I think Sam yeah. Raimi would, would, would kill it. Oh my God, it would be so good. Yeah, if you've read yeah. the book, tell us who your dream yeah, who, director is. Yeah, who's your dream director for that? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's Balder. Yeah, that's Balder. <laughs> uh, next, we have Mimir. He's the Aesir god of the arts, uh, lakes, knowledge, peace, pools, springs, teaching, and wisdom. Um, Mimir's parents are unknown, but there is some interesting conjecture where people think that he is Odin's uncle, which kind of gives an interesting piece to it because that would make him a, that would make him a Jotun then it would, it would. Um, but sometimes the line between Aesir and Vanir and other species or types yeah. of being is a blurry at best. Yeah. Um, but it is interesting. And part of that is because, uh, when his, uh, so Mimir, Mimir is killed and he's beheaded. And then after that, Odin uses magic to preserve his head and then uses Mimir's disembodied, but somehow still sentient head to give him um, counsel. So, um, you know, if you it's think to- drama. Heads go in jars. We yeah, heads, heads go in jars. It's not even that weird. Yeah. Um, so like, you know, you could definitely see where um, as just like a person, you would want like some sort of older, trusted person um, to give you advice. So, you know, that would certainly be like an aunt or an uncle or, you know, somebody yeah. of that nature. Yeah. Well, and and Mimir is the keeper of the well, what with yeah. the water see all of reality. Yeah. Right. And that which Odin sacrificed his eye to, to be mm -hmm. able to see all of reality at all time. Yeah. Right. So like, you know, I get it. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. Um, as, as for consorts, he was married to Sinmara, who was a human and um, they had children. They had a whole a whole bunch of children, like various river and lake gods were attributed to Mimir. Too many to name here as many sort of like water gods are, often or they are do. often yeah. very prolific in the baby making. <laughs> and correspondences for Mimir would be ash, the color blue, chamomile again. You'll notice a lot of these things sort of pop up um, a lot with the with the Norse deities. Yeah. Uh, chrysolite, cinnamon, copper, gold, uh, marigold, mistletoe, St. John's wort, topaz, and yellow as a color. <laughs> uh, next up, we've got Thor, and we did a deep dive on Thor in episode 
10. It feels like so long ago. It was a long time ago, yeah. (laughs) And he is the Aesir god of agriculture, fertility, uh, hallowing, which is like making stuff holy, uh, luck in battle, protection, strength, and storms. Yeah. 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 And his parents were Yord and Odin. And he was married to Sif, she of the golden hair, and to and he had three children. He had Magni, Modi, and Thrud uh, for four children. As for his correspondences, beer. Beer. Yeah, yeah lots of beer. Um, belts are also associated with Thor, carnelian, dragon's blood. So are gloves or like bracers. Uh, of course, goats because of his two goats. Uh, juniper, uh, lightning, of course, and thunder, mead again, of course, and hearty meat, and in general, like hearty meals, Uh, of course, hammers, especially Mjolnir, is associated with Thor, oak, pine, the color red, red agate, and thistle, all of those associated with Thor. And uh, if you're interested to hear more about Thor and his correspondences or all that other jazz, we even have some spells that we wrote that specifically deal with Thor. Go ahead and listen to episode 10. It is yeah, a really go good one. Go check it out. Yeah. Uh, so his wife, Sif, was a Jotun. And she was the goddess of physical beauty, generosity, the harvest, and sort of like of plenty. Her main attribute is that she was nice and that she had golden hair. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Ron was obviously physically beautiful. Yes. Uh, So not quite Aphrodite, but you can kind of like see some parallels there. Um, So sort of anything having to do with, um, you know, like a, a kind and beautiful woman. Um, her hair was said to be the color of golden grain. So you can definitely connect her to like fertility as well, even though that's not like explicitly called out. Yeah. Correspondences for her um, would be birch, chamomile, fur, gold, the color green, hawthorn, uh, looms like for weaving, mirrors for looking, <laughs> mugwort, rose, rowan, willow, and yellow. Uh, and she had two children, and that was Thrudur and Uller. Um, and uh, as you'll notice, those are not necessarily the same children as well, that's, Thor. That's one child with Thor, and then one with somebody else, and mm-hmm. Thor has two others, Magni and Modi, are with a different person. Yeah. Yeah. And for consorts, we really only have each other listed for them. But again, this is one of those things where we don't have a lot to go on, and we know that those children exist. We don't know anything about their parents, other than they're just not around anymore. Yeah, parentage. Yeah. Uh, Tyr is next, and he is the Aesir god of athletics, astronomy, battles, bravery, courage, divination, fairness, honor, justice, law, oaths, protection, reasoning, another self-sacrifice guy here. He's also a sky god uh, and a god of strength and victory and war. And his father was Odin and his wife was Zisa. And Zisa may have also been a human, but she may have also been a deity. It sort of depends on uh, what it is that you're looking at there. And uh, correspondences for Tyr are Blackthorn, bronze, gray agate specifically, and kind of anything that's gray. Uh, Helmets, he uh, had a helmet. Juniper, oak, the color orange. Pine, smoky topaz, steel, swords, 
of course, uh, thistles and the color yellow. Now, next up we have um, Heimdall. And Heimdall is sort of here in this bridge in between the Aesir and the Vanir. And that's because some sources indicate that he is an Aesir and some sources indicate that he is a Vanir. And some are like he was a Vanir and then he became an Aesir after the war. And you know what? It's kind of whatever you want it to be. Yeah. Um, there's really no harm in calling him either or, although I would suggest that you do not call a Vanir god an Aesir or an Aesir god a Vanir, Vanir if you can avoid it. Yeah. They're not going to be mad at you. Maybe yeah. just you're going to have... If you're not sure, don't if, name the clan. Yeah, if you're not sure, don't mention it at all. Or mention <laughs> a couple of gods and then just mention both clans and then they can mm -hmm. sort it out themselves. There you go. Right? There you go. Yeah. Now, Heimdall is an interesting one because he, if you, he is shown in the Marvel movies. He's played by Idris Elba, which I think is an awesome choice. Yeah. Um, but he doesn't really come across as godly in those, I don't think. He kind of is I mean, like, he's definitely godly. He can literally see everything in all of existence. I suppose. And he's the first line of defense against invasion by everyone everywhere. He's uh, the guess, blower of Gjallarhorn. I, I, I guess you're right. I guess you're yeah. right. He's definitely godly. Okay. I've yeah, been... He's not just like some sort of jackass or something. Well, I just didn't like... just like hire a fucking intern. <laughs> They're like, hey, can we put some, can we get a job application out on fucking Craigslist in Midgard? Hire an intern to blow this horn just in case a bunch of flipping giants show up. Like, yeah, no, that's not it. That's not it. All right, Again, I... I would suggest just don't just accept that they're comic books and they're definitely not based in reality. I would never ever use that as a comparison to true Norse mythology, right? I, I think that I think that often because it's like, it's the normalized thing that we understand. Everybody wants to start at that place, but that's sort of like, um, that's sort of like if an alien species arrived and we immediately started comparing them to Superman or Marvin the Martian yeah. or, or, or flipping Independence Day or E.T. Right? Like, that's just a creative endeavor that uses, like, vague bullshit somebody looked up one time, maybe. Let's be very honest. Maybe. <laughs> right? So, yeah. Like, I understand that the movies are popular, but, you know, the, it leaves much to be desired from, like, a obvious historical accuracy standpoint. Yeah. Right? So, like, Idris Elba's dope, and, and like, the Marvel movies are dope, but also... Yeah, it's movies based on a comic book. Yeah. So perspective is key here. Yes. Yes. Uh, and what better person to use perspective than Heimdall? He is the god of beginnings and crafts, uh, like like crafts. That's a yeah, self explanatory like crafts. Word. Um, endings. He's also a god of fire and light, peace and prosperity, uh, protection, of course, sight, and he is a god of teachers. Um, his parents were the nine mothers, and this is sort of an interesting one because it doesn't really have any fathers listed, and the nine mothers were sort of like sea nymphs in a way, and it's unclear as to whether he was mothered by nine women or whether he was given birth to by nine women. 
I mean, the 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 physical the physiology side of that obviously is like a little whack. You can't have nine people give birth to you, but this is a god, maybe. so maybe you can. Um, so his his parents were the nine mothers, and although he never took a wife or anything like that, he did father children. In fact, he fathered the three main classes of people in ancient society, which is um, lords, farmers, and serfs, uh, servants essentially. Um, so yeah, we can all thank Heimdall for being here. Yeah. What's up? <laughs> Whether you're, whatever class you're putting yourself into. Uh, and correspondences for him are amethyst, aquamarine, birch, bronze, copper, gold, uh, horns, uh, oak, opals, uh, anything that is a rainbow as well as all colors are sort of associated with him. Uh, rose and going with the all colors thing, white, because that's basically the combination of all the colors and the plant verbena. Yeah. So now we move into the Vanir and the first of the Vanir that we have is Njord. Uh, he is the Vanir god of abundance and fishing, fire, livestock, the oceans, oaths, prosperity, rivers, sailors, the sea and ships. He's also the god of stubbornness and success and wisdom. But when we think of the word stubbornness, we don't want to think about that in its negative connotation. Think of it more as being uh, driven. Yeah, I mean, yeah, or just being kind of pig-headed. I mean, yeah. Hard, hard of opinion, strong of will. Yeah, but being stubborn isn't always a bad thing. No, 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 no. No, it's not. Yeah. And his wife was Scotty, and his children were Freya and Freyr, and they are twins. Yeah. Yeah. The correspondences for Njord are amethyst, aquamarine, the color blue, cedar, ferns, fish, moss, oak, seaweed, also like seawater, obviously, um, turquoise, verbena, and vervain. And he's also generally described as being sort of gloomy and quiet and reserved. Um, so he's not like a party time kind of guy. Yeah. He's moody like the sea. So next we have Freya. She is the twin sister of Freyr, their children of Njord, and she is the queen of the Valkyries. Uh, she is the Vanir goddess of beauty, crafts, death, eroticism, farming, fertility. She's very specifically a goddess of flowers as well. Foresight, love, luck, magic. She's a goddess of the moon and passion, physical well-being, so health sort of, romance, sex, trance magic specifically, uh, war, wealth, witchcraft, and wisdom. And um, she's super dope. And I do, I don't think that we have one scheduled, but we're definitely going to be doing a deep dive on her because there's a lot of interesting stuff that goes into Freya. Um, and part of it is that some people equate her to Frigg, that Frigg and Freya are sort of two halves of the same goddess. And um, that's not really something that you see in Norse mythology, but because it has such a varied base, it's really interesting. And I definitely want to dive into that further. But we're not going to be talking too much about that today. Um, as for parents, uh, Njord and Scotty are her parents, and she is married to Odur, and they have two children, Gersemi and Hunus. Uh, her correspondences are amber, apples, birch, 
uh, boars. She rides around on a golden boar when she wants to. And when she doesn't want to ride around on a golden boar, she rolls around in a chair, a sky chariot that is pulled by cats, which yep. is very cool. Yep. Um, so she's definitely a goddess of cats as well. So you could consider her a protector of cats if you happen to have one of those animals. Uh, she's also associated with copper, elder, the color green, horses, jade, any sort of jewelry, mint, the moon, so moonstone also, mugwort, uh, pentagrams are associated with her, uh, rose, sandalwood, silver, tansy, vervain, and yarrow. There's a lot to be said about Freya, um, like I mentioned before, but another thing of note is that she also chooses, she sends the Valkyries to choose who goes to Valhalla as well as to her own realm. So some of the dead go to her realm to basically fight and party all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Now her twin brother, Freyr, he is king of the elves. And that's not the dark elves, like the dwarves. That's like the light elves, I guess you would say. Well, just it elves. would just be elves. Yeah. yeah. You don't need to define something as light. It's just that like, hey, there are people here. There are also underground people here. Right? Yeah. So you don't say above ground people. You would just say like, there's us. He and is the king of the above ground elves. There's, there's us and then there's <laughs> chuds. Yeah. Right? You see how we're not like above ground humanist uh you know cannibalistic yeah, yeah, people yeah. right we're just regular people and then chuds are underground cannibalistic people yes yeah that's yeah. a difference <laughs> yeah yeah so Freyr is king of the elves he is the vanir god of abundance bravery crops eroticism empowerment fertility the harvest you can see a lot of the things that he's god of or freya's goddess of as well um health He's also the god of joy, magic, peace, prosperity, protection, rain, sensual love, um, as opposed to necessarily being romantic or physical love. As we mentioned, um, some deities have different sort of delineations there. Um, he is the god of ships, success, the sun, wealth, and the weather. And much like Freya, his parents were Scotty and Njord. His consort was Gorda, and um, they had a child named Fjolnir. And if you want to um, be close to Freyr, you can use these for your correspondences. Ash, he was also associated with boars, um, with, but like a, mostly he was associated with metal. So brass, bronze, gold, um, anything that was sort of an, a metal, especially alloys, it seems. He was also associated with goldstone, green, horses, ivy, nuts and pine cones, the color red, Rose Quartz, St. John's Wort, and you. Uh, and just a quick note, I think this is the first one that we mentioned that was you. You is poisonous, so any of these correspondences, check to make sure you can eat them before you put them in your face. Yeah, or don't put them in or your on face. Your body. Just have them like near some shit, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you is highly poisonous. Um, so that does it for the Vanir gods that we have. And next we have... Um, we have Loki, 
And we also did a deep dive on Loki. That was episode 14. And we've got a ton of super interesting information about Loki there, as well as additional correspondences and some spells. Um, so if you're interested in hearing more about him or about that stuff, check out episode 14, Loki Deep Dive. Yep. So Loki was a Jotun. So he was a giant. Uh, and he is the god of androgyny and bisexuality. He's a god of change and chaos and destruction. He's very gender fluid and um, he rules illusions and lies and magic and manipulation as well as mischief, any sort of paradoxes. Also strategy, thievery, trickery, and wit. Yeah. Yeah. So he's kind of one of those gods that's sort of got like a double-edged sword to him where sometimes these are positive aspects and sometimes these are negative aspects, I mean, but it really depends on your perspective. You can't perspective. pull a good trick unless you have good strategy. That is true. A trick with bad strategy is um, buffoonery. Yeah. <laughs> right? So, yeah. <laughs> that's what that is. Yeah. Yeah. So his parents were Farbauti and Laufei, and Laufei was a giant as well. Um, and he was... For Loki, he has several consorts. So one is Angerboda, and with her, he had three children. He had Fenrir, the wolf, Hel, the queen of the underworld, which we'll talk about next, and Jormungandr, the, um, the, the world serpent that encircles the tree. And then um, his second wife was- That encircles Midgard. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and then his second wife was uh, Sigyn, and she is the one who uh, who basically tried to keep him alive while he was in punishment yeah. uh, for his crimes. Yeah. Big old, big old poison serpent dripping poison on him, uh, yeah. tied to a rock, and she had a bowl that she held up to keep the poison off him, but when she had to like go away to empty the bowl out, the uh, poison dripped on him and he would cry out in pain and shake. And that's why we have earthquakes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Loki also mated with others and... Loki fucked. <laughs> a Dude. lot. Like a bunch of stuff. Yeah. And I'm not going to name all of them here, but I'm going to name the one that resulted specifically in a... In the offspring, I was gonna say a child, but then I was like, I don't know that I want to do. Come want to do that. Um, so he was. He also turned into a female horse and mated with Svadilfari, yeah, which was the uh, like best boy horse in all the land. Yeah, it was like such a sexy horse that he's like, I'm gonna turn into a lady horse. Uh, and then uh, he mated with Svadilfari, and then they had Slipnir. They had Slipnir, yeah. Yeah, so uh, Loki got Loki got damn. And, and Slipnir is the eight-legged horse that Odin rides. Yes. into battle. Yes, um, so that is Loki. Tons of fun and interesting stuff on him. <laughs> yeah, he's a weird cat. Yeah, yeah, and then that leads us to his daughter. What are his correspondences, though? Oh, I forgot about his correspondences. Whoop! So Loki's correspondences are uh, amber, the color black. So anything black, really, but black agate. Um, cannabis is associated with him. So is cinnamon, dragon's blood, goldstone, foxes, because they're smart. Um, horses, because Slepnir. Knots, because of strategy and thievery and trickery and wit. Masks, uh, because illusions. Mistletoe, because Ragnarok. <laughs> Moline, onyx, peppers, snakes, spiders, and wolves are all associated with Loki. Yeah. 
Yeah. And now we're going to talk about Hel, his daughter. She is essentially the goddess of the afterlife, but also of change, compassion, the dead, rest, as well as revenge. And one thing that's notable for Hel is that um, she is she is not evil, right? Like you got to kind of separate yourself from the Christian dogma of the way that that word is spelt and the way that it sounds. So yeah. well, and general like underworld deities tend to be yeah. like, like, ah, and that's not what's happening here. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. She's well, I mean, I feel like more underworld deities are actually like, not rah. It's just sort of the, yeah, this is the, the Christian perspective. Yeah. 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 No, so the normalization. Christians are scared of death, man. Yeah. Yeah. Especially yeah. for being bad. Yeah. Um, so she is not an, a mean or an evil goddess. Her, she really is there ruling the afterlife to provide compassion and care yeah. to those who have died, who did not go to essentially Valhalla. Yeah. Who didn't go to either Valhalla or the other one, um, to Freya's place. To Freya's place, whose name escapes me. Uh, it's generally for people who didn't die in battle. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. If you weren't chosen by a Valkyrie. That's where you went. That's where you went. Also, Norse afterlife, not chosen, like Valhalla and such notwithstanding, is cold, not hot. Yeah. Right? Which really treats to sort of like the, um, like the bad after, the bad afterlife being a byproduct of your environment. Whereas yeah. you can see like Southern hot places yeah. in like Southern Europe and like Northeastern Africa and the Mid East and stuff like that. All of their hells are like hot places. Yeah. Whereas like for the Norse, um, it's like cold and dark, you know, like being outside in a blizzard or a snowstorm, which would be fucking nightmarish. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's sort of where that differentiation is, is that yeah. it's like, you know, again, cold, cold and dark. Yeah. Uh, and there's also something to do with like caverns underneath. There's like a like an infinite maze underneath. Yeah. The plane yeah. of cold and dark. She has her own, her, uh, own whole realm, Helheim. Which is where yeah. all they go. So yeah, and there's a lot of areas within Helheim, both um, as like caves and caverns, but yeah. also like buildings and halls. There's a gate made out of bones too, a big ass bone gate. Oh yeah, there totally yeah, is. Big ass. Bone uh, gate. Yeah, there's a ton of that stuff, and there are areas in Helheim that are for people who have done bad things. Oh yeah, but there's definitely you're a shithead, Helheim. But, but that's, most those are of real it is places. not you know, that, and that actually places. falls pretty in line with the Greek view of the afterlife, aside from the Valhalla part, right? Yeah. Um, but it, it definitely falls in line there. So Hell is not a bad goddess. She is not mean. She is not evil. She is not, um, you know, she's, there's nothing yeah. wrong with her or her realm. Yeah. Um, you kind of have to really work hard in modern society to separate the Christian af underworld afterlife. Yeah. H-E double hockey sticks Hell versus hell h-e-l uh, yeah the goddess of the afterlife in the norse pantheon yeah exactly yeah. so hell's parents are angerboda and loki she is also related to fenrir the um the wolf and jormungandr yeah um, her two older brothers yeah i think they're older than her i think they are um and she is half well she's she's sort of like she's an interesting goddess she, she's 50 percent alive and super beautiful and 50 percent dead and a corpse and generally that's personified by like a like a bifurcation of her personage down the center yeah, like two -face. axis 
Yeah, sort of like Two-Face. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so generally it's shown as like a skull on one side and like a pretty lady on the other side. Yeah, yeah. Although in uh, the Eddas, she's described as not only being a corpse, but also just half of her is blue. Um, so you can think of like, um, you know, a, like a corpse that's found outside in the winter. Yeah. You know, because really, again, like you were saying, for the Norse, the main thing for them was it gets real cold and it gets real dark. Yeah. In the winter time. And that's kind of where the well, dark for a long is. period of time. Yeah. So that's that's the sort of like bad thing. Yeah. So you can work. see with hell, there's a lot of that sort of yin yang energy there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's really something that you can kind of like capitalize on in addition to these correspondences, yeah. which are uh, beach, anything that's the color black, elder, elm, ivy, jasmine, jet, juniper, malign, myrrh, obsidian, onyx, anything that's the color white, willow, wolves, you um and any white or black flower yeah uh and when i say black flower that's kind of a tough one because there aren't technically black yeah. is any white flowers or like if you dye a flower black for goth reasons yeah because because goth yeah. <laughs> Woo. so um that is all of the deities that we're gonna go over today yeah. we got through those pretty quickly and boy is my um is my tongue tired face hurt my face I've talked more today than I have in a couple of couple of days. The face, it hurts us to look upon. No, it doesn't. Yes. Yes, it does. No. Uh, no, no, no let's no. have everybody vote. Yeah. Oh, you're wrong. It was me. Because nope. you can't vote because you're you're the thing that we're voting on. No, 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 no. No, you're wrong works. because I heard our six listeners go, no. Nah, I don't know about that. that. I don't know about that. Six fire. listeners. What do you what do you think? Shh. What do you think? <laughs> Judge. <laughs> Judge. <laughs> Yes. Maybe we don't want to put the power of the internet telling us who's prettier. <laughs> let, let, let the hate flow through you. <laughs> yeah, I know that I'm the smart one, and that makes me not the pretty one. I very much understand that. Well, if you're the smart one, that means that I'm the pretty one. I know, I know. I just said that. Or I'm both, and you're not really here. You're just a hallucination, <laughs> right? You got to always be afraid of that, hallucinations. Um, yeah, right? So, all right. So that was the Norse Pantheon. Um, a brief look at, at the Norse family tree. And we'll probably do like an extended Norse family tree thing at some point in time that may require a uh, significant graphic sort of a situation or something to that extent. Yeah. Um, if you would like... The Book of Shadows page for this, which much like the Greek family tree Book of Shadows page, this is going to list each one of the gods, their correspondences, their relations and all that kind of stuff. Um, you can uh, hit us up on Patreon. We have a Horn and Cauldron podcast tier on our Patreon where yep. I make the uh, Book of Shadows pages and publish those there. We are all caught up. Shockingly, it's I was taking us able to a catch while, <laughs> but um, yeah. So this this page should be coming out relatively shortly. Uh, yep. I have the I have the prompts and the words for that, so I just have to get into the graphic design space and get that done. So hopefully, I can get that done before the end of the week. Uh, and speaking of Patreon, for those who are already supporting us, thank you, Alan, Miranda, Alexa, Helena, and Jeff. You guys are awesome. Uh, you're allowing us to constantly improve this setup. So thank you very much. Uh, up next, 
is our pub chat episode five, where we have the last part of our Tiger King of Wicca um, tale, which is about uh, Doreen Valiente. And then we'll have some magic and media, which we have some uh, we have some interesting magic and media to go over. And we are still looking for some listener questions. If not, I will come up with questions and they are going to be weird questions. So give us <laughs> your listener questions so you don't have to hear me ask absurd questions. Because they will be absurd. Yeah. 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 And they'll also be last minute so you can't prepare. Oh, no. Yeah. That would be interesting. That would be horrible. But that's awful and mean, but that's why you guys have to give us questions. I mean, I even do research on stuff that I know that I know. Just in case. Just yeah. in case. Yeah, always do research. Also, you never know when you're going to find something new and exciting and interesting. Yeah. So uh, Pub Chat episode five is going to be coming out next Monday. That's uh, Monday, March 7th. And then uh, March 14th is the next full-length episode, and that is Ostara 102. That's right. So it is going to be spring. Stay tuned for that. We are fast approaching spring. I don't know about where y'all are. Uh, let us know below if you guys are in spring. But California, we're in spring. It's springtime here. I would say that we have passed the last grip of winter like we had false spring a couple of weeks ago where it was like 80 degrees yeah. for like a week and, and was like i was like chilly. i don't need these warm clothes it was anymore a little chilly for a little and then bit, it was but... immediately like 20 degrees colder and yeah. i was like teeth chattering yeah we're gonna roast something we're, in, the we're, oven we're in the house we're in spring it's springtime here now. it's definitely spring yeah yeah. But uh, so, yeah, so stay tuned for that. Those are the two that are coming up. Pub Chat 05 and Ostara 102. That's right. Uh, and again, if you are listening to us on YouTube and watching us on YouTube, don't forget to like this video, comment below, share, subscribe, ring the bell and do all that stuff. If you're listening to this on your podcast network of choice, please leave us a review. That would be super awesome. So we know whether or not you like us or would rather we shut the heck up. And uh, yeah. And Either if way, you want more content from us, we have yeah. a variety of other things that we do on our YouTube channel, which is Nerd Drive. You can also find it by going to nerddrive.com or the links down below if you're already on YouTube. But if you're already on YouTube, just click on the thing. Yeah, subscribe um, to Nerd Drive. We, we do, do a bunch of stuff. We a whole have, bunch of stuff. We have the podcasts. We also do like movie reviews and we're going to start doing like craft videos for like fun Crafts yeah. we've got we like do. five flower crown videos that we're gonna Scheduled do and to I come out at some point in time so those are a whole bunch of flower we're crowns. getting supplies ready for those i do a pub chat every week this week my pub chat's coming out on wednesday because i was we had a long i was weekend. tired on sunday and i just didn't want to do it this and is the end of like a little mini vacation yeah that's the us. that's the power that i have as being the one who's creating these things so bam with great power comes bam. great responsibility i would say irresponsibility but that's all right uh i disagree with uncle ben and spider boy it's irresponsibility with great power comes irresponsibility power corrupts um but uh yeah so we've got a ton of stuff check all that stuff out oh we also do star trek reviews every friday yep so stay tuned for more of that stuff yeah but, and uh, we've got stuff on our social media as well um if you are um, listening to this when it comes out, I'm probably going to be looking up some resources for anybody in the witchier heathen space that wants to give a little bit of zhuzh to our um, pals over there in the Ukraine. Yeah. So check yeah. out my TikTok for that. Check out her TikTok for Instagram. that stuff. Um, but yeah, either way, I have been John Norgrove. This has been Julie Norgrove. This has been The Horn. And Cauldron Podcast. Podcast. And we will catch you guys next time. Stay magical, folks. Yeah. And don't forget, breathe in self-confidence and breathe out self-doubt.